1: my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis
0: Giannoutsas. Hey, so we're giving the listeners a little bit of a brief background. So EOS Implementer, what do we mean by that?
1: Yes, great question. You know, as I was running a business, I was really struggling with how to create a vision and alignment with my team about where we wanted to go and how we wanted to get there. And luckily at that time, I just happened upon the book by Gino Wickman called Traction. If your listeners have not heard of it, I highly recommend picking that up. And it's a great place to start. So EOS is basically a way of harmonizing and orchestrating all the moving parts of your business. So it's an execution model. It's a way of running your business more effectively and efficiently so that you can really focus on leaving that to the science in the background. So you can really focus on the artistry of what you love to do and are best at. And I liken it to kind of like your your cell phone. Like you've got an iOS on your cell phone that kind of runs in the background so you can do all this crazy stuff with your cell phone now. The same thing's true. EOS, once you get these tools and disciplines primed and working for you, it's a system of execution that runs in the background so you don't have to think about it. You can really think about the strategy of your business about where you want to go and how you're going to get there. So I'm actually not only the, we call ourselves implementers instead of coaches or advisors, because really it's about implementing the set of tools and principles into a business. That said, I've also been an EOS client. So, you know, I sat on both sides of the table and I'll tell you, it's, it's an incredibly rewarding journey on both a business front and a personal front for leadership. Looking for to digging into that conversation with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And um I love it. So iOS is around for the iPhones and things like that. And, right. and yeah. So EOS is that entrepreneurs operating system?
1: Oh, you're so good. You are so good. It is. It's the entrepreneurial operating system. You got it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So I thought, like, oh wow, which one is it? it? Really okay. is. Yeah, cool. I really love the what you've just shared there too, because I think the implement versus the the terminology coach, it's a bit like becoming a goal setter. People go, Oh, should I set goals? I said, No, let's talk about being a goal achiever. And they're like, oh, it's because it's a totally different mindset, right? We're gonna go out there and achieve goals because people can set goals. That's all good. People can actually have an operating or do things in business. But I think I love what you say there in the sense of it's actually helping them do what they do in the background. So then they can get on with their artistry. And it is an art and what a lot of people do, right?
1: And there's a place for coaches and advisors. There's a mm. place for that. I'm not saying that there's not. What I'm saying is if I'm telling people what to do, that's creating dependency for them to need Mm -hmm. me. And my job is to lessen that dependency and to teach them to be what I jokingly call Jedi masters, right? I want them to be leaders. I want them to be seen by their team as leaders. And if I'm the one that's the answer person, they're going to be constantly feeling dependent on me for that. Whereas if I empower them through this learning of the dynamic around leadership, that they've got the answers in themselves, right? It's just a good facilitator or implementer that pulls them out. Yep. Just pulls those answers out.
0: And I think that's what leadership's about. Is, is actually, It's actually not to give them the fish. It's actually to teach them to fish.
1: Yes, you got it.
0: Yep, yep, 100%. yep.
1: 100
0: Yeah, so I think that's right. And, and listeners, um, I think that uh, leaders, leaders aren't doing this enough. And there's actually an episode I did recently, Emily, which is called, because I do two interviews a week and I'm also then doing a freestyle version and it's called the Ask Dennis episode, and it's about, the actual title of that episode is actually Ask, Don't Tell, uh-huh. and it's about asking them questions to bring out what you just said and facilitate that rather than saying, hey, here's the answer.
1: 100% agree. It's something that we, we teach as a part of this experience. The question-to-statement ratio when you're working with your people mm. should always be a minimum of two or three to one, that you're asking more questions than you're talking, Right. Yep. So you're, the fact that you get that right out the outset here is is huge.
0: Yeah. Sometimes we get a little bit of a clue in life. You've got two ears and one mouth. Hello. And it might help, you know, to understand we need to listen more. But I, I don't think it's just listening. It's actually really being present and listening to what people are saying and, in fact, sometimes listening to what they're not saying.
1: That is critical. So I learned this early in my leadership journey that I was not a good listener, if mm. I'm being completely honest. You know, I would think two steps ahead about what people were saying. And what did it for me was Stephen Covey's seek first to understand. Nice. Then be understood because it's not just about listening. Mm. That's passive. You've got to actively be mining for understanding and then coming together for really what that means in terms of mutual value agreement. Yep. And that's the difference between leading and managing, right? Managers will just tell you, right? The expectation. Leaders create an opening for the the person that they're working with to come in and join them. And then they get to have their hands in the clay where they feel like they're actually taking ownership, right? That creates an opportunity for empowerment that changes the discipline of accountability from, from the leader having to own holding someone accountable, which is frankly a misnomer, to then putting that, that sense of accountability really on the other person mm. and then wanting to hold themselves accountable. Yep. So this dynamic shift that you're talking about is really powerful, and once I got that, wow, I saw the performance of my in my team go go x Awesome.
0: I want to ask the question very soon about how did you get into leadership, but before we go there, I want to just ask you about the book that you've you know, you've authored, which is around Growth Junkies Unite. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Thank you, Dennis, for for all of us you know, there's periods of evolution and revolution. And, you know, the growth doesn't happen in a straight line. We talk about that with with kids, you know, they have growing pains. We all go through that. And I was going through one myself, and it was really a time of re-regeneration for me. And so, this book was really foundational for me being able to to, to pull from what I knew intrinsically. Like, it was all here internally. Like, I just needed to pull it back out again. And then in the course of realizing that, sharing it with others, that we all go through this part where we need an invigoration to our learning journey. And in my mind, you're, a, you're either one end of the stick or the other. You're either growing or dying. And I'd rather be the growth end of that stick, right? And so for me, this was a chance to really share, you know, that the tips, tricks, tools. So it's kind of taking this distilled view, like a Reader's Digest view of all the business acumen and tools and, and things like that and distilling it down to a few simple nuggets that can help people with reinvigorating their, their growth journey. And the reason why I call it Growth Junkies Unite is that, you know, again, there's there's a tribe of the South there, you know, that, that really sincerely love this part of humanity, that we're here on this planet to help each other and with eos one of our core values is help first and so literally that's what this book is it's my gift if towards the end you know i'll give you the the vip code and those sorts of things but there's a free toolkit in there there's it's packed with lots of great nuggets and again it's it's one of those things that that is kind of meant to be something that helps someone else get unstuck right feeling like they're they're trapped, because that feeling can really suck you in and pull you in. And this is meant to be one of those catalyst things that can unlock that for you.
0: And I think the pandemic has actually made people feel like they're locked. They feel yes. like they're stuck. And they're, we're now starting to see people trying to get out of there and do other things in life, and which well, is pretty great, cool to see. Great
1: resignation. You know, people yep. are like, I'm not going to stay stuck. You know, yeah. they're taking ownership of that. I think it's a good thing. Yes. You know, it's also challenging as a, a business leader, right? <laughs>
0: Well, it, it is, and it's a different mindset, and and I've, I'm seeing it's quite interesting because I'm working, coaching quite a few coming out of the corporate world into their own businesses, and they're going into their entrepreneur. They were already intrapreneurs within the organization, so they had that, that want and that hunger for it, but it's never packaged in a way that they were expecting it or it doesn't come always the way that they were thinking it would work, and it's like what you're saying with the growing pains, right, with the, with the kids and so forth. It's the same thing. And, and we will focus that. But you know what? Just to jazz it up a little bit more and give it a little bit more excitement, let's throw in COVID as well just to see how you stand up to it, right? <laughs> just, just.
1: Like we needed a new challenge, right? Yeah. One where there was no handbook, there no rule book. No. You know, no one to script this for us. No no, no predetermined, like, here's how you're going to get through this. And yes. yeah, it's, right, Dennis, I'm, I'm with you.
0: That's very cool. All right, let's get to this question here, which is, so how did you get into leadership?
1: Yes, you know, I think like many of us, It's one of those things where it's a combination of of intentionality and a combination of having your antenna up Mm. for opportunity, right? So it's got to be a hybrid of a bit of both. Yeah. Because you can only script your life so much. I call it like getting in the flow of life because the more you try to force something, I'm all for goal setting, planning, all those kinds of things. And then at some point, you also have to be nimble and flexible and open enough to receive being in the flow of life, right? And looking for those opportunities as they're coming up. And it's like, life's going to smack you over the head until you really start learning some of these growing lessons, right? Yeah. And for me, you know, I was at a point in my career where I was was definitely feeling a little stuck. And that was when literally someone tapped me on
2: the shoulder and said, we want you to run this business.
0: Whereabouts in the world are you today?
2: I'm in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, Northeast Florida.
0: Oh, awesome. Wonderful. Great to see it. Have speak to someone else on the other side of the world. Yeah. And tell me something. So we're giving the listeners a little bit of a brief understanding about your background and what you do. So at the Advanced Management Studies at Forbes School of Business and Technology, what kind of programs do you do there?
2: Sure. But we have a bachelor's and master's degree programs. The Forbes School of Business and Technology has different programs in the field of business. We are also affiliated with Forbes Media. We're providing our students with the relevant and applicable content that is in demand at a current business arena, different industries. And a little bit about my background. I have a background in the finance industry for many years. I was also in a corporate training capacity, worked for some big players such as Merrill Lynch as one of the players that I worked for and um, was in a corporate Corporate training discovered my love for academia, teaching, and research, and I actually transferred to full time world of academia in 2013. I'm also a global researcher at heart, and I've done research ventures across several different continents. Haven't been to to Australia, New Zealand as of yet, but you know, now talking to you, I'm ins- I'm inspired to visit and maybe do some research there as well one day.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome! Wonderful to have you come this part of the world. And I, and I noticed that in your bio, also, you talk about the Center of uh, for Women Leadership. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, Advanced Management Studies is one of the divisions of the Forbes School of Business and Technology, and we have our MBA flagship program. We have our only PhD program within the Forbes School of Business under that particular division, and we also have the entire center, Center for Women's Leadership. We opened the center in the year of COVID, the June of 2020, and we have three different, three different activities, set of activities. We are mentoring students and alumni. We are doing community chats, workshops, main events, and we had uh, so many prominent speakers. We even had some former presidents. As our keynote speakers with the Center for Women's Leadership, we are open to all of our members, folks that are not our members, ladies and gentlemen. We also have gentlemen that come in and and talk about different issues that are facing women in the in the workforce. And we do a lot of research pertaining to women in leadership.
0: Mm. Oh, awesome. That's very good. And amazing how you launched that in the midst of COVID and the pandemic and that. So that's very good. And I see that you've published over 20 plus peer reviewed journals, but also you've been the co-author of a book on perception. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, my co-author, Dr. Diane Hamilton, who's a syndicated radio host, uh, show hostess, and and she's also a prominent researcher in the field of uh, behavior analysis. She's also one of the Thinkers 50, one of the really, really bright minds in today's world of business. We used to work together and we were actually jokingly tease each other that we would go into a particular meeting, we would leave that meeting and we would have a completely different perception of what took place. Huh. So we, we were teasing each other. I was always a bit more um, pessimistic and Diane was always a bit more optimistic. And we were trying to decipher, it was fun. Why am I hearing one thing and she's hearing another and the same person's talking to us? And that's how we started digging into different variables that are impacting human perception. And we were focusing on the world of business in particular, where we touched upon some concepts that are applicable, not just for the world of business, but everyday life.
0: It's amazing how we as human beings have our different lenses or filters on our ears, and we pick up different things. And uh, yeah, it's always good to have different people's perspectives to understand, what did you actually hear? Yes. Yeah. And you know what, listeners, actually, first of all, you have to listen to be able to actually understand something or hear something. So, hey, there's a clue. Listen first. But then there's also being able to interpret things as well. So, yeah, very interesting. Maya, this is all fascinating as well about the research and about what you've been doing and and so forth. So how did you get into leadership?
2: Well, when I was in a corporate training capacity, I started creating and leading some of the training programs And then, when I moved to the world of academia, I became very quickly a program chair of a particular program, Masters in Organizational Management. Then, somehow, through my research, through different things that I was doing, different publishing, I was noticed and promoted to be a department chair within the Ford School of Business and Technology. And then, in two thousand twenty-one, as our dean retired, I was given an honor of serving as an interim dean, which is a terrific opportunity and also an opportunity to develop my skills even further. And when it comes to leadership. A process that was kind of organically evolving in my particular life. I don't know that I was necessarily practically seeking leadership opportunities. I'm a servant leader. I do like, or at least I hope I inspire people to do better. Always trying to come up from a standpoint of being a good listener and being a compassionate, empathetic leader. I don't believe in micromanagement. I don't believe in any of the uh, more aggressive leadership styles. And as a matter of fact, as we did a lot of research pertaining to women and men as far as how women leaders are perceived a certain way versus male leaders, a lot of times lady leaders, for some weird reason, feel compelled to mimic the behavior of their male counterparts in order to be taken seriously. Seriously. And sometimes what we do is we become overly aggressive, overly into your face, cold and composed at all times. I don't believe in coldness when it comes to leadership. There are certain times when you definitely need to take advantage of some of the beautiful variables that we ladies bring to the table. We are caretakers. We tend to be, no offense to male male listeners, we tend to be more nurturing. And those are also great leadership qualities to work within and capitalize on. That is the kind of leader that I am.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it's that's awesome. And I, I don't know, I mean, I've, I've my years of experience and working with different leaders and executives around the world. I, I just, um, when I'm coaching, say, female leaders or work with them and growing them and that, and, and I just say, be you just be you because you don't have to be anything else because you are where you are today. Maya is the interim dean because of who you are and what you bring to the table. And, and then it's a beautiful thing. And be you, be the best you can be. Don't try and be someone else because when you, as you said, as they start to try to be someone else or be like a male in that, yeah, they do become aggressive, and I've seen it, and it's not pretty. It's not very nice, and they don't need to do that. They're so much stronger. And that's not just for female; That's also for males as well. It goes right across the board, right? I mean, be yourself.
2: Be authentic. Mm. There are so many research studies on the values of authentic leadership. Yeah, You can pretend to be someone else for a minute, and afterwards you're out of your comfort zone, and you're not going to do your best. Yeah, submit so be yourself with all of your faults, all of your opportunities, and work on those opportunities. When Diane and I were talking about the book, a lot of times she would say to me, you take things too seriously or you're reading too much into it. And I know that is my opportunity. She recognized it. But that is also sometimes a you know safeguard that we have a protective mechanisms that we have. We want to protect ourselves as human beings at all times.